Thank you for listening to a sermon from the District Church. For more information about us, please visit www.thedistrict.church. Additionally, if any of our sermons have brought encouragement to you, would you please let us know by emailing us at info at Good morning, church. Again, thank you for your grace this morning as we got started about 30 minutes late. Um, and with that, I think it's actually a pretty good precursor for, uh, for this message, just because this message is going to be one that's kind of going to attack, in some ways, uh, just our own personal frustrations when things don't go the way that we want them to go, uh, or we think that it's, you know, we want it to start at a certain time and it doesn't start at a certain time, or I've got something that I need to go do later, and so it starts to just eat into all of the confounding variables that kind of stir up our life. And so I, I think it's good for us to kind of get started with this in a way of not having everything go perfect for us. And because really what I want to look at today is this reality um, that we are in unprecedented times. And, and I know that's probably a phrase that we're tired of hearing at this point, um, but it is a reality. We are in unprecedented times. And by definition, unprecedented simply means never known or experienced before. And so following that logic, we, we are simply just all on the equal turf here. We're, we're leveling the playing field. Um, as our state slogan says or reads right now, we are in this together. There's no expert, nor is there a person who can say, I've been there. Here's what we should do. Literally, the closest example or case study we have to go off of is the Spanish influenza of 1918, dubbed the H1N1 virus, which also resurfaced back in 2009. The Spanish flu of 1918 killed an estimated 50 million people worldwide. That's actually more people than World War I and World War II combined. And that was over 100 years ago. And honestly, we, we don't know much of how they handled that pandemic because as the CDC website states, for decades, the 1918 virus was lost to history, a relic of a time when the understanding of infectious pathogens and the tools to study them were still in their infancy. As we know, according to the CDC website, uh, is that with no vaccine, and this again is referring to the 1918 virus, with no vaccine to protect against influenza infection and no antibiotics to treat secondary bacterial infections that can be associated with this flu, control efforts worldwide were limited to non-pharmaceutical interventions, such as social distancing, quarantine, good personal hygiene, use of sanitizing disinfectants, and limitations of public gatherings, which were applied unevenly. Sound familiar? I mean, it's exactly what we're doing. We, we don't know how to essentially handle this type of virus because we don't really know much of the virus when it came. And so what we did was practicing the same things that we've tried to do in the past, which includes social distancing, quarantine, good personal hygiene, use of sanitizing disinfectants, and limitations of public gatherings until we can figure out how to handle this. But because we've never done that before, you can imagine the variety of opinions on this matter. And because of that reality, we are finding ourselves as a society, as a country, as a world, divided. Or I should say more divided. We're already divided on topics like Republican versus Democrats, Blue Lives Matter versus Black Lives Matter, vaccines versus no vaccines, white versus black, 
South versus North, East Coast or West Coast, Popeyes or Chick-fil-A. I'm a Popeyes guy versus Chick-fil-A. I think you can be in the world but not of the world, and it's good. MJ versus LJ. I think the last dance answered that one for us. And in the midst of all of this, we now have thrown into the mix mask or no mask, which according to the factual and reliable Babylon B, a study found anyone who makes a different decision to wear a mask than you is a brainwashed sheep. Do we reopen or do we stay in lockdown? COVID truths versus conspiracy theories. And as you saw, maybe if you follow uh, on my Instagram account, I posted a thing that's kind of been going around uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. A lot of pastors are posting this. It's an image of what a pastor's hearing from congregants around him based on what we should do during this time. You can't open the church building yet. It is a huge health risk. You are wrong if you do. It is all a big hoax, a conspiracy, a media frenzy. Read this article, this link, don't be afraid. Or my wife, or husband, or dad, or grandparent, or uncle, or sister, or brother, or niece just passed away from COVID-19. Or here are the 25 things you need to do if you want to meet in your building again. Or my family's going to stay home for a while before coming back. Sorry, we can't be there. Or... Don't ever open the building again. We love worshiping from our couch. Home is so much better. Or, we need to open the church building. I need to be there and I need to see everyone. What are you waiting for? We all have an opinion on this matter. And if we aren't careful, our guidelines that we're following, accompanied with our opinions, could very well give way to our demise. If we approach this pandemic, if we approach the last two months and and honestly, probably the next two years with the mindset of I'm right and you're wrong, then social distancing will give way to social desertion. Quarantine will give way to quarreling. Good personal hygiene will give way to bad personal hypotheses. Use of sanitizing disinfectants will give way to the use of selfish desires. And the limiting of public gatherings will give way to a limiting of public engagement. These guidelines are not an excuse for us to prohibit our humanity. But rather, they're a plea for us to protect our humanity. And I want to humbly plead for today from Paul's letter to the Romans is there is a way for us to establish unity in the midst of disagreement. And more importantly, in the midst of a pandemic. And I'm not referring to unity in the sense of getting everyone to agree regarding a pandemic plan, but rather getting everyone to agree on our pandemic purpose. What are we doing while we're in this time? As Ecclesiastes has mentioned multiple times, there's a time for everything, and right now there is a time for a pandemic. So what do we do with it, and how do we respond? And so I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 12. I'm going to be bouncing back and forth between Romans 12, 13, 14, and 15 uh, today and next week as we talk specifically regarding what we're doing during this pandemic as we ramp up towards 
our in-person gatherings beginning in June on June 7th. So Romans 12, I want to start off with the first two verses here. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, we know this passage very well if, if you've been in or around church growing up. It's the great call that your life means more than just what pleases you. It, it's created for, it's designed for, it's built for much more than just your pursuit of happiness. That's fleeting, and as we just saw in Ecclesiastes, that's meaningless. There's more to life than what is just under the sun that's trying to persuade you for pleasure. Your life is designed, it's meant for, it's designed to worship. Daily worship, unceasing pursuit of worship to God. And how we worship is ultimately important. Look at verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So how do we know what is good and what is acceptable and what is perfect with regards to worship? Well, we know one thing. It's not going to come from this world. For He literally just told us, do not be conformed to this world. Do not follow the pattern of this world. Don't do what the world says to do. For some of us, that's all we need to hear to create a Christian worldview that if it doesn't come from the Bible, then it is bad and unacceptable and imperfect. That's the way that we are going to live countercultural. And that's why we can say, you can't tell me what is right and wrong if you're not Jesus. Okay, that's one way of figuring out how to worship. The world can't tell me anything. It's only going to come through the reading of God's Word and the renewal of my mind. Yes, there's truth there. There's biblical truth there. But let's see what else the Bible says regarding how we come up with our opinion on worship. Look at Romans 14 with me. Romans 14 verse 5 says this, One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Alright, so from Romans 12, we are instructed that we need to know what is good and what is acceptable and what is perfect from a renewed mind. That is one that is being informed from God's Word. And now in Romans 14, we are also bringing in conscience here. And as you, you can see that all around the context of Romans chapter 14, that it's dealing with conscience. An informed mind leads to a conviction. It leads to a belief regarding a matter. It's not enough to just see it collectively from God's Word. We also need to have a conviction regarding the matter, a belief about the matter. Because without information, you'll never get to belief. And without belief, you'll never get to transformation. What you know gives way to what you believe. And what you believe gives way to what you become. Now, I want to show you something interesting here because if you're following me, you're hearing me say two things right now. One is the world can't tell me how to think. And you can't tell me how to think. For I have to be convinced in my own mind. So basically, according to Romans 12 and 14, with the Scriptures as my truth and the Spirit of God as my guide, I'm good to go to form my own opinion without anyone else speaking into it. Don't listen to the world and don't listen to others' opinions. 
Listen to Scripture and be convinced in your own mind. That's literally the recipe most Christians employ to not only create their worldview, but to apply their worldview. And to be honest with you, it's not a bad one. It's just missing the ingredients of this Romans 12, 14 sandwich. Because sandwiched between the do not be conformed to this world of Romans 12 and the be convinced in your own mind of Romans 14 is Romans 13 that is going to give way to application and transformation. It's going to actually provide for us purpose on how we apply what we know and what we believe. And it's going to flesh itself out in a way that I think for many of us might hopefully not be shocking, but it's going to be difficult to apply. Two key points we see in Romans 13. First one is verse 1. Romans 13 verse 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. That's one. The next one is verse 9. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So this provides us some framework for our application. And it honestly doesn't matter what your context is. The application is the same for your good and God's glory. So follow me here for a moment. Romans 12 is telling us not to be conformed to this world. Don't follow the pattern of this world. But in Romans 13, it starts off by telling us to be subject to our earthly, worldly, governing authorities. And then Romans 14 is telling us to be convinced in our own minds of our own opinions. But in Romans 13, it's now telling us to love our neighbors as we do ourselves, as it says down in verse 13, by not quarreling, by not imposing our opinions on another, causing them to stumble. So what then is the underlying message here? Romans 12 is found in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, to not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. That's Romans 12. If you're looking at the do not be conformed to this world and to worship God with your lifestyle, and that in doing that, you're going to understand what the good and perfect and acceptable will of God is. The application of that, the underlying message there is that it's actually not about you. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. And then let's look at Romans 14. What's the underlying message of you being convinced in your own mind? Understanding your own opinion. Romans 14 is found in verse 1 and also 7 through 8. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him by not to quarrel over opinions. In verses 7 through 8, for none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Here's the main point. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's all about Jesus. So think about this. Because this is the most freeing thing I will ever explain to you. The entire Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, is yelling one thing. It's not about you. It's all about Jesus. And because God is infinitely wise... He has created, He has designed 
a transcendent society with checks and balances in place to ensure that if we trust Him at His Word and we believe that what He is saying is good, acceptable, and perfect, then it will give way to a lifestyle of subjection and submission where we are free to enjoy life and bring God glory. The very creation of society at every level by God's design includes submission. And here's what I mean by that. Whether it's church leadership and membership, whether it's biblical marriage, whether it's mutual submission, whether it's governments with leaders and citizens, whether it's the workplace with bosses and employees, whether it's the family with parents and children, every possible relationship God has embedded at the center of it submission. Because at the very core of submission is the phrase, it's not about me. It's not about me. God never wants us to be our own authority. Never. He never wants us to think we are owed something. I've said this time and time again, almost all of your current frustrations are because you think life is about you. Why can't my wife love me this way? Why can't my kids behave this way? Why can't my job give me the hours I want? Why can't my bank account allow me the lifestyle I want for once? Why can't my friends text me for once? Why do I always initiate? Why can't I lose those pandemic 15 I gained? Why can't my Instagram posts get more likes? Why, why do my favorite restaurants keep closing? If you could keep a tally of the amount of times you ask yourself these questions on a daily basis, you might find it very shocking. Maybe even throw you into a little bit of crippling depression. Has there ever been a time where you, thinking more highly of yourself than you ought, ever worked out for you? Has there ever been a time where you only loving yourself and no one else ever worked out well for you? Why? Because that's not what God is referring to as good and acceptable and perfect. God's will for your life in Romans 12.2 is actually not about you. It's about others. It's about you submitting yourself to the good of others. And you finding total freedom in that way of life. What is God's will for your life? It's Romans 13, verses 8 through 10, which says, Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, and it gives a list of them, so I'll just say all of them, are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. What is God's will for your life? It's down in Romans 13, 13 through 14. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality. And I don't want to just brush over those too quickly. I want you to understand what's going on here. Per, psycholo uh, per, per psychology today, since the start of this pandemic, pornography site visits has increased 18% daily. Literally 9 million searches for coronavirus porn were found on Pornhub on March 17th alone.
not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Now, did that say, get your stuff together, get your act together, pull yourself up from your bootstraps, straighten your tie, clean yourself up? Did that just say, do better? No, it didn't. It said, put on Jesus. Why? Because again, it's not about you. It's all about Jesus. It's about Jesus and what He has done and what He is doing. It's not about what you can do or can't do. And Jesus is telling us to turn our attention to our neighbors. Not to think less of ourselves, but to think of ourselves less. Romans 15.2 says this, Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Now, if you have some free time, I'd love for you to go down the rabbit trail of cross-referencing the idea of building up. When Romans 12 begins talking about the gifts that God has given to people within the church by His grace to be used, those gifts, when cross-referenced with passages like 1 Corinthians 12.7 and 24-25, 1 Corinthians 14.12 and 26, each of those passages refer to our gifts being used not for our individual benefits, not to discover how we are talented or not talented, but rather they're, they're given for the use of building up one another. They're given for the use of, of literally providing pleasure for others, for others to be seen and ministered to for the building up of them and ultimately the church in regards to the society around it. So I'm not going to give you a list of ideas of how you can build one another up or how you can love your neighbor. That's the beauty of the Bible. Oftentimes, it gives us the principle without the prescription. It doesn't tell me to give my wife a back massage, but when I do, I'm fulfilling the law because she's being loved in that way. But what I will do to close this out is I will pray for you. Because I think, again, this time that we're in, none of us have been in before. I mean, you got to go back four or five generations before you find somebody who's walked through the Spanish flu. None of us have been in this before, so guess what? You're not an expert. And it's also not about you. We're not going to please everybody on the decisions that we make when, it, when it's coming to reopening the church or when it's coming to how we actually navigate within opening up the church or when it comes to going to the store and whether to wear a mask or not. Like All of these opinions on the matter, we are going to disagree. And it's okay for us to disagree. But what we need to agree on is first and foremost understanding that it's not about what you think is the best way to do it. But rather, you kind of taking stock of your life, auditing your life, auditing your thoughts, looking at your heart and saying, what, why am I so frustrated about this? Or why do I think it should be this way? And maybe instead of you thinking that way, spin that on its head, Lay your fleshly desires to the side. Put on Jesus and start asking questions of like, 
What's going to best serve my neighbor? What's going to best serve my family right now? What's going to best serve my church right now? What's going to best serve my coworkers right now? How can I use my gifts in order to empty myself to give out to them so that they are being built up? And as you, with the Holy Spirit as your guide, as you are coming up with those opinions within your own mind, convinced in your own mind, leading out in an act of worship, you serving the church might be you staying home and not coming on June 7th. You serving the church might be you coming on June 7th and not staying at home. You serving your neighbors might be engaging them with a mask on. You might be engaging them by going to the grocery store and buying groceries for them and dropping them off on their front porch. I don't know what it looks like for you. But all I know is that it's less about you and it's more about those around you. And that's our purpose during this pandemic is to think of ourselves less and more about others. How can we be the presence of Jesus in their lives by providing what they need during this time. And if it's not tangible things that they need, maybe it's emotional things that they need. Maybe they need encouragement and edification. Maybe they need someone to reach out to them, to write them a letter, to send them a text message, to love on them in some way or another. We've got to come together as the church for the purpose of the church, which is to build up one another in order to see disciples being made for God's glory and for our good. I'm telling you, you will be much less frustrated during this time if you turn your attention to others and not yourself. Let me close with this prayer from the Apostle Paul in Romans 15, verses 5-7. through May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We want to thank you guys for worshiping with us this morning. Again, we just want to encourage you over these next couple of weeks. Next week, we will continue on with the same live stream, hopefully at 10 a.m. instead of 10.30 a.m. Um, but we will continue on with this platform next week. And then again, June 7th, we're going to be sending out a link in order for you to pre-register. If you could see in this room, you'll see that we have um, sections of chairs of four and three and two and so forth in order to pre-register to place people in those seats. And so we're going to ask that you do that. And then we will also create an overflow space in uh, the cafe area for our people to, to be able to also listen and participate while out there as well. But again, it, it, and there's going to be restrictions that we have. There's going to be policies that we're going to be putting in place. There's, there's going to be things that we need to do, not based on our own personal preferences, but it's because we love our neighbors well. And we want to serve them well. And we want to make sure that we're doing our part in caring for one another and protecting one another. And so if these guidelines frustrate you in some way or another, then I apologize. 
But at the same time, I also want to ask that you consider why it's frustrating you. And maybe that you come in with no expectations of your own pleasures, but rather come in with the expectations of, man, we're here to worship the Lord and to be among the people of God in order to hear the voices sing in one accord to Jesus and to magnify Him and to lift Him up and to make much of Him. Because that's what we need in this time is not checking off all the boxes of what we want or what we need, but ultimately checking off the box of are we getting after Jesus? Are we putting Him first? Are we worshiping Him and Him alone? And are we turning our attention to the ones that He's caring for and that He's making provision for? Because one of the primary ways in which Jesus does that is by employing His people in order to go out and minister to those who are in need. So let's consider others as we seek unity within our pandemic purpose. And let's love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Let's love them well. Next week, we're going to be talking about how we can have peace during this time of incredible anxiety uh, and also frustration when things don't go our way. But we're going to talk about peace next week from these passages of Romans 12, 13, 14, and 15. So if you want to continue just familiarizing yourself with this passage, just read those four chapters over and over and over again as we continue to walk through this leading up to our time together when we come back on June 7th. We love you guys. We miss you. We can't wait to see you. You're dismissed. Thank you for listening to a sermon from the District Church. For more information about us, please visit www.thedistrict.church. Additionally, if any of our sermons have brought encouragement to you, would you please let us know by emailing us at info at